Oh, hello, it's me again. Well, I just needed someone to talk to and I feel like you're the only person who really listens to me. So where was I? Oh yeah, that's right. Yes, so I've just always felt the guys have always had this brotherhood like Danny has the Yurunga Crips and Smarty has Pearl Jam 10 and I just never had that connection. Well, I think I was just trying to force it and uh, in doing so, I, I pushed my own posse away. No, they won't speak to me or come back to band practice. Well, they've taken jobs down at the mall. Well, Bill has started at Priceline. Christopher is Taco Cowbell. Gorilla is at the local surf shop, Quicksilverbacks. Soundwave has started at the bakery, Robots into Pies. God knows where the loons are. Rexy is working in a medical centre called Reptile Dysfunction. And the saxophone go is at Subway. I don't know, he probably keeps it in a locker. Oh, Darren. It's hard to talk about. I heard that he's being leased out to adult parties. Well, I hope pinning the tail on him is all they're doing. Oh, hold on. The music has started. I have to go and, um... To answer your original question, I am still happy with my current electrical provider. Okay, love you, bye. Hello and welcome to It's the Vinyl Countdown, the podcast that is kind of like Lord of the Rings. We feel as though we were chosen by a higher power to collect and deliver the ring-like songs to the fiery depths of your speakers and hearts disregarding all matters of danger along the way to reinstate peace to the airwaves once again so our children's children can live in relative peace and harmony. You're welcome. Anyway, looks like I'm playing the intro by myself. Here we go. I might be a bit rusty. Hello, uh, welcome to episode 10. I'm Jimmy, 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 a man after midnight, and it is my <laughs> honour to be with you. Let's lay the cards on the table here, people. Today is my wild card, and uh, I've gone a little bit me, 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 me. Uh, do not fret, we have 10 big songs, an awesome band, a great panellist, and an awesome special guest with us uh, here to bring me back down to earth. Our first guest has never had to knock on wood, but she knows someone who has. <laughs> making me wonder if she should. It's Nicola. How are you, Nicola? Hello, Jamie. James, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Let's get down to brass tacks. Have you brought any tickets? Lots of things coming up. Yes, I have bought a lot of tickets. Um it's getting a little bit ridiculous, actually, but I, I don't think I'll stop because I saw that there was um, Crowded House are actually coming back next year. Could be 
worth us revisiting our first potty to maybe do a reissue. We could do a, a school excursion and, and then go after that. So um, I know I've spoken about Snoop already, which is amusing, Julia Jacqueline, Paul Kelly I'm seeing on Thursday night, um, who oh. Emma Donovan's playing. So, oh. yeah, lots. Kings of Leon. Um, oh, the strokes with you guys. Yeah, lots going on. Yeah. All happening there. Now, as as always, question without notice. <laughs> yes, my favourite part. <laughs> right, Nikki, how do you own the world? How do you own disorder? I Good, love thanks. It. I love it. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> uh, no idea. Now. As we hinted last week, we are getting the old band back together. No, not the Blues Brothers, uh, not the letters to the Tuscaderos. I'm talking about the McDonald's Southbound Circa 1994 <laughs> band. So there's two things you can get with this podcast today. It's awesome music banter and it's a quarter pound a meal for $4.95. <laughs> I'd like you to welcome Amanda McKernan. How are you going? Hello. Thank you for having me. Yay. Pleasure, pleasure. Now, this pains me, and I, like uh, Everclear say, I don't want to be the bad guy, but we have to do some qualifiers with you to see if you're, uh, if you're up for it today, if you're, if you're made of the right stuff. Are you ready to go? Yeah, <laughs> I am actually, yeah. Good, good, good. Amanda, what is the last song that you danced to? To be honest, the very last song I danced to was a um, classic hit called Someday from zombie, high school zombie movie. We often dance to that. My daughters and I have made up a little, little dance. So like that's that kind of dance. But a real dance where I, where I sort of, you know, let my hair down and, you know, in front of a live band, I'm I'm actually too ashamed to say it was like three years ago. Well, it could be worse. Yeah. Um, Florence and the Machine. Wow. Oh. Uh, uh, do you remember when we went, you went to when we saw Day on the Green? Remember I bumped into you and Danny at Danny. Day on the Green? The 90s nostalgia. Uh, yes, yes. So it was the day on the green. It was um, Florence and the Machine, and I, I, I had been listening to her new album to try and get into the mood, and I just wasn't really feeling it. But she's so powerful on stage. I danced to every single song, and danced my heart out. So was was that a show just with her, or was that like at a festival, or was it a? Uh, someone else played. Um, someone I hadn't heard of before. She's really pretty, blonde hair. New girl, no. her real name is not the name who she calls herself. Oh, Billie Eilish. Oh, or oh, Lord? No. no. Um, we could be showing her age here. Yeah, mm. she's, she's, she just was kind of breaking out on the scene and um, she has a guitar. Lady Hawk? No. No, new, like new age. Jewel? No. <laughs> what are you, how old are you people? Come on. <laughs> Who, oh, and this other guy was playing as well and he's really young and funky with, like, really big hair and um, hadn't heard of him either. He plays with a lot of synthesizers and stuff like that. He was really cool as well. So that 
kind of opened me up to um, some really new um, sounds because I've, I've really, you know, I don't get much time to really enjoy music like I used to. So um, I listen to a lot of double J rather than triple J these days because mm. I just like what I like. Me too. <laughs> but it was so amazing. I, I just, she was so powerful that we just didn't regret one dance move didn't regret one high five with our fellow dancers. Like, yeah, it was just absolutely phenomenal. I've just Googled that, Amanda, and it's Florence and the Machine, um, special guests Billie Eilish and Marlon Williams. Does that ring a bell? Oh, my God, was it Billie Eilish? It possibly was. That was at Geelong at Day on the Green. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to give myself a clap for that on the edit. <laughs> <laughs> and who was oh, the guy? Oh, Marlon. Marlon Williams. He was cool. Yeah. He yeah was I cool. actually saw him on a TV series, um, the pretty, something Liars, um, and it had that, what's her name? She's oh. a girl. She's Nicole Kidman. No, I'm not going to go kidding. <laughs> oh, sorry, I might be going somewhere else with that. Um, um, when you said liars, I'm going to come yeah. back to you. I'll look that up. There's something liars. Oh, I know the show you're thinking of. No, this is an Aussie one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hit Emma because she'll know what that is. Um, but he was doing all the music for it, Marlon Williams. He did all the music all the way through it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, and it sounded really good. So, yeah, I'll look into him a bit more. Mm. Yeah. All right. Second question, what's, this might sort of show us what sort of person you are, depending on what it is. What's <laughs> the last song you cried to? Um, what did I last cry to? Am I crying because of the song or am I crying because, like, I accidentally stubbed my toe when I was, like, <laughs> running away from a child or? Nostalgia, I would um, usually shed a little tear at, like, air. Okay. My all-time favourite album, Moon Safari, yep. that kind of brings a tear to my eye because it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I love a song of that. I'm going to be pronouncing this horribly wrong, but it's Samatala or something like that. Mm. Um, it's a musical one, but it is a really, really sweet it's song. Cool. They used it off the, on the Virgin Suicides. Um, the, the, oh, my all-time favourite film. Yeah, that's got an air song in it. Oh, mm. Well, that's got a lot of air songs in it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the whole album is actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole film is. The scene I'm thinking of, it's like a flashback scene in it. It's got the trumpet in the song. It's like, bum, 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 bum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Oh, just it's such a sweet album. Like I listen to it when I'm happy. I listen to it when I'm sad. Like I just listen to it all the time. I, you know when you kill it too much and you listen to it so much and then you have to just take like a long break and you can come back to it. That's that album for me. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe cry at that. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And probably a worthy movie to cry into. It's uh... a... <laughs> Probably, probably a worthy movie for our band today too. Um, last question. What was your worst single that you ever got? This will be going into our charts too, that Danny takes care of. Yeah. Um, Criss Cross. Jump. Oh. Crisscross is going to make you jump. Jump, jump. jump. 
I mean, they had uh-huh. one hit around uh-huh. here, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. If, if you owned that, then yeah, they probably you'd be probably struggling to think of a worse one than that. I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I had um, Dale Braithwaite's Wild Horses as well, and you know, back in the day, that probably was a hero at track. But when I look back now, and like I just can't stand it. You know, I can't. I'm not really into yeah. Barnum's and the, you know, the um, Daryl Braithwaite sing-alongs, Jimmy Bar. Yeah, I just I can't stand it. So that was probably another one that I had that I could put to the bottom of the barrel. But crisscross is pretty. Yeah, one hit wonder. We all had posters of them on our walls. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I did and. I missed the bus, the follow-up single from Criss Cross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they had two tracks, didn't they? I feel like they were there were two. Um, I missed the bus, and that is something I'll never ever ever do again. I, I just remember that, um, and I just remember they wore their pants around the wrong way. Yeah, everything them. was backwards. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and the big hoodies—they always had like a American sports hoodie on with jeans on that were ran the wrong way. Hmm. Yeah. Ten times too big. <laughs> I'm actually just looking on. at a photo of them, and it's <laughs> it's pretty funny. They've got like the two, you know, like the jean pockets that normally sit on your bum at the front. Like, <laughs> just didn't take off. It was worth a try. But it didn't <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Points for trying. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, where are they now? I reckon I read about them that they may no longer be with us, um, which oh. is a bit morbid. Or one of them, actually. I don't know if it was Chris or if it was Cross, but <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about it. <laughs> I, I, hope, I, I hope I haven't upset you, Amanda. I hope, uh, out, I hope out of respect they put his suit on backwards for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if they were. One of them... His name was Chris Kelly, the one who passed away. The other one was Chris Smith. Um, oh, yeah. We still don't know them, do we, if it was? They were friends, yeah. Chris Kelly, Chris Smith. So Chris Kelly was Mac Daddy and Chris Smith was Daddy Mac. So um, RIP Mac Daddy. Um, yeah. Let's move on. Hey, guys. Danny's not with us today. Um, <laughs> it pains me. Um, I can only jump to the conclusion there's a new strain of uh, COVID out there that uh, he's um, fallen victim once again. There's a new strain in town. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. So Danny might have a fever, but I think we've got the cure. Oh. Oh, the cure. what a segue. Oh. Well, did you actually say to Danny not to... Join us today so you yeah, can just, do that. Just for that one joke. <laughs> yeah. It was worth it. <laughs> now, guys, I better qualify this in case we have any diehard cure listeners. Is Amanda has said she's not a massive cure fan. Nikki has said she's not a massive cure fan. I know Danny wasn't. And so you're probably thinking, well, Jamie chose him as his wildcard. He must be a massive cure fan. But the short answer is uh, no. <laughs> um, I picked them because I um, I thought they'd be a really good challenge, and I think they're a band that has well they've been around. I think you said Amanda they formed in '78, mm. so, which is roughly around our. Oh, geez, am I going to give our age away now as well? Uh, around our birth times, roughly. Put it on a PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> PowerPoint at, at hotmail.com. So I thought they they're a band that's been around for our entire life. 
and um, their music has gone through uh, all those decades as well and chopped and changed and done this. So I just thought it'd be a good band to go over. Um, they're also a band that's um, they're, they're for a specific subgenre. They're for a specific group of people, a, a sort of a, a cult. But they're also for just the masses as well. They've had great songs that everybody knows and I think everybody kind of enjoys. So I thought they'd be a good band to um, look into a little bit. But um, in saying that, um, we don't know a hell of a lot about them. So um, we put it on Nikki to do the bio. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I should say, it's not that I don't, um, I do like some of their songs uh, and looking at the top 10 that I did for them, there are some of them that I really like, but I just somehow they didn't um, find their way into my list over the last, well, since they since they began, really, since 78. So I haven't had time to fit them in from then myself. Um, however, so I'll say apologies to the Cure fans out there um, because I don't know much about them at all and so relying heavily on uh, good friend Dr Google. Um, <laughs> um, looks like they all initially, um, the, the band themselves formed in the late 70s, in 78, as Jamie said, um, English band from Crawley in West Sussex. Um, from then till now, the only original um, band member is Robert Smith. I was going to say um, the research that I did do um, about them, for some reason they tend to have a tag um, on sort of following their name of is Gothic Rock, but they don't like to be associated with that. Um, um, I think it, from what I've read that Robert Smith has said that it, that it all started at the same or similar times, but they weren't meant to be... That's not what they were going for. Um, their music, um, it, it depends who you ask, I guess. Um, you can say it can be dark, gloomy, um, full of despair. But then there's other songs that um, I found were upbeat and had um, a pop, poppy sort of pop song element to it and really quite catchy and um, pretty, as Jamie had said earlier too, that um, some of their songs are really pretty. Um, so uh, that's the cure. I'm not going to go any further because I don't really want to miss anything or say anything I shouldn't um, about them. But um, as Jamie alluded to, they've got a cult following. Um, and uh, one of my favourite quotes that I've read that Robert Smith has said, someone asked him who his favourite band was and he said the cure. <laughs> so I really love that self-belief um, that he has in the music that they are doing. Um, so, yeah, that was I, – I did like that and I liked that humour that he's showing to um, – humour and honesty to say that he thinks that his band is the best band. So, um, yeah, they've released 13 albums um, and, yeah, still are still going, um, still doing tours and um, Robert Smith still wearing his um, – Makeup, which I found really interesting and just a random um, bit of um, information. He prefers to wear um, his favourite lipstick is MAC and the colour is Ruby Woo. For all the, the oh. Cure fans, go out to Mecca <laughs> and get your MAC Ruby Woo and be the same as Robert Smith. Um, Love it. Love the colour. That's a good colour. It's a great colour. I know it's it a too. Great oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nikki, kind of, have you seen him recently? 
Yeah, I, I did find, um, looking at pictures of him now, and I was like, there must be, and he himself in the interview had said he hadn't worn makeup since their last gig, which might have been 2017. And he said that he, he was tempted to not. Um, but he said he's got such ordinary, he believes he's got such ordinary features. He needs to wear the makeup to kind of, I guess, get into character, which I can understand, but he does look like a really sad, like, clown who has just should have retired years ago. I think he looks like, like a bit of an old lady that sits down the end of the bar drinking gin. Yes. Yeah. And just, you know, with that, like, I know that he, that, that's the whole purpose of the lipstick meant to look like blood um and he i'd read that too he was wearing it because when they were under stage lights and he'd put it on then as it got hotter and hotter it would melt to look a bit like blood um but again that links into lady at the end of the bar you know with bad eyesight putting it on and it just does that anyway yeah yeah (laughs) but i I don't want to make fun of him because i don't want to be rude to people who love him but yeah he's an interesting looking guy but he he seems to have a really great um um sense of humor and um and a sense of self a sense of identity you know all his music makes it you know does make it sound like a bit you know almost is it emo, you know, sad and, and, and whatever, but it, it's almost like that is what makes him happy. Mm. Yeah. Because in interviews he doesn't look like a sad sack at all, but his yeah, music no. comes across very, you know, troubled and sad until, you know, until they moved into that sort of pop pop phase. Yeah. He still has a very strong sense of who he is and he doesn't shy away from that no matter what genre he's singing. Mm. Yeah, he has a kind of a sad face before the makeup. Like if you've seen old film clips where he's got the short hair and and um, no makeup on, he does have a look at a sad looking face to begin with anyway. So, yeah. in the interviews, he's very happy when he's talking about music. I think it's when people get off subject with him that he starts to, you know, do those sort of side eyes. Yeah, it sinks back into the chair a bit. But like he he, he seems, and I think that's probably last to his longevity in the game too. Is accolades and that mean nothing to him everything is about the music like everything's about getting back to the music so um i i think yeah he, he, i've seen some interviews where they actually asked him some half decent questions and he really shone in that interview like so that's i think all the other stuff he finds petty and um crap really so he just doesn't looks like he doesn't want anything to do with it yeah i was just going to add i did read um that he said that, you know, despite the music having that sort of melancholy, you know, um, um, gloomy sort of sound and and lyrically, um, he sort of has said that he usually writes best when he is feeling a bit depressed, but he has then said that he's actually happier more than, like, most of the time and that, you know, it's just that persona, um, that music that, they kind of do box him into that. But um, he's gone on to say, no, like, I'm a really happy, upbeat guy and I'm, you know, I see lots of good stuff and, I, you know, I'm not living in, in sadness all the time. But he has mm. said, I do write, write better about that sort of topic but doesn't necessarily reflect how I'm always am. Mm. Like so, day to day I'm not yeah. in my bedroom with my emo <laughs> Make yeah, <laughs> like I go and get a coffee Miserable. and I live a normal life. Yeah, I suppose yeah. a lot of a lot of artists really start 
like that's where they find their their energy in their writing is when they go to a certain place, like not physically but mentally go to a certain place. So his is, yeah, obviously, you know, de- depressing actually looks really good on him. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad and thing. Just, you know, yeah, that, that, you're at um you're down the beach and having playing volleyball and stuff. You're not at home writing sad songs. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I guess um it really comes from the stigma of where he has spent a lot of his life saying, you know, I don't want to be told what to do and I don't want to conform to a certain way. And so he he takes all of that energy and and makes music to how he wants it to be. Which is probably why he's why he's had so many different band members over the years because he's like, this is what the music is. Mm. Yeah, and like you say, it makes him happy. Like he he does. He in the interviews, he's he's you know he loves talking about his music, and then as soon as they asked him about his relationship, he was like, yeah, just really sunk away, didn't he? Like, stop making eye contact and whatever. Yeah, he's got a lot of expression in his face in those interviews. You can kind of read him really well, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of facts that I knew about The Cure before we started doing, well, any research. One I knew from a personal thing, but the other one, someone, I can't remember if it was on the radio or where I heard it, but someone said they have never heard a band that plays as loud as The Cure in concert. Oh. surprised me a little bit because their songs, like you think of heavy metal and things like that, but... um. They said the cure plays so loud, but I'm not sure how it takes. Is that just someone who's gone to the concert and stood next to the speaker? Or mm. <laughs> um, that could mean anything. But, um, yeah, that, that did surprise me. I thought, really, the cure? Oh, I don't know. The other thing was I went to buy a ticket to their concert once, and this is going back when I was living in Geelong, which would make it about five or six years ago, and it was over $450 a ticket. Mm. Where was it at? Where, what, what venue? I don't know, but it wasn't like a festival and it wasn't like a day on the green. It was just them and maybe a couple of other bands playing before them. But I thought that's out, that's outrageous for that. I, I have a confession oh. to make. No <laughs> dog. No. <laughs> not yet. Maybe not yet. I actually paid, I think, about four fifty to see the Rolling Stones. Um, that, probably their last Australian tour. That is um, someone who you could get away. Like that's like pain. If you were telling me the Beatles were going to play, then yeah, I'd be thinking that might be worth that kind of money. But yeah, yeah, I, I have no regret. It was. I felt like it would probably be their last trip down this way as a, a, the original lineup. But that's getting, yeah, that's a lot. It's expensive when you know um, the Killers are playing at Day on the Green next year, mm. and I you can only buy four tickets at a time. Which is fine. I only needed four, but um, you know, just general admission at you know two hundred bucks a ticket. Oh, like was I, it really? I would have. I would have loved to have you know been able to take the kids and stuff like that because they just love music as much as you know my husband and I do. But it's just getting a bit extra. <laughs> I'll take my four-year-old and pay two hundred dollars for her to you know sit in the bleachers and you know then have to. I just yeah, it's just getting getting a bit expensive. I think. Guys. Um, I don't think we're doing any favours for showing our age with uh, complaining about the price of tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm a sucker too. I like to buy merch as well, and yes, yep. you know, I really, I like, I like the whole experience. Yeah. And but yeah. you know, just when you add all that on, if it was just myself, I would, you know, I'd definitely be 
you know, spending a lot more on that kind of thing. Yeah. But I have to factor in four other people and they're not worth it. Yeah. I mean, they're worth it. But they're <laughs> um, guys, we kind of covered my first question that I had then about the cure, but um, I'll, I'll ask it again anyway so, so we can get a definitive answer because um, I – I was um, sitting with Mrs. Clayballs and I said, when, when I say the name The Cure to you, what is the first adjective that comes to your mind? And she said, sad. Sad. So it, can we categorically say they're just a bit of a, a sad band? Like I know the way they look is sad. It's got that melancholy clown sort of look to it. His voice alone and his face is a little bit sad too, isn't it? Like it comes across as a sad voice, you think? Yeah, it's a pretty voice, though, I must admit. Yeah. But um, even when they sing the happy songs, there's still a sad element to the sound of it, I think. Um, is, there, is there anything that we can say that takes them out of that pigeonhole of being the gothic emo sad band? Or I think when you listen to their greatest hits album, where a lot of the songs were remastered, it's they're big songs, right, and everyone knows them. There is definitely an, you know, an infinite sadness in, in their music, but I think that's that's his genre. Like that is just what his genre was. So, you know, you I don't think you can actually sort of say sad across the board. No offense, yeah. Mrs. Claypots. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new name. She's not from an Enid Blyton story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Emma. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely an infinite sadness to them, but um, I think if you look at their big hits, um, they, they're, especially their pop songs, you could, you could listen to one of their pop songs and feel, you know, enthused. I think it's not until you look at the band as a whole that then you go, oh, actually, yeah, that's a bit depressing. Mm. One of the, one of the ones you had in your honourable mention, Smarties, I probably, upon, if I was on reflection, would have it in my ten as well. Was why can't I be you? Mm. Another song. That's quite up, an up, really upbeat sound, and um, probably the lyrical content still sounds a bit sad. Why can't I be you? But um, but I think there's a good argument, I guess, and I'll argue when we go through our top ten, there's probably three or four in there that aren't sad at all, that they just have, just because it's the cure, again, we associate them with that sad connotation, I guess. But Why Can't I Be is very upbeat and lots of dancing going on in the film clip and um, there's another one that's very low in our count that's also like that and it's quite a lovely, beautiful song with a nice sentiment. And uh, it's a lot of dancing and going on in the conflict for that one as well. So I'm going to try and argue a bit for for uh, mm. the, uh, the, the other side there that um, they're not everything about the cure and sad. No, yeah, I agree. But if you listen to their early stuff, you yeah, back to back. Um, he said that a lot of his influence came from Elvis Costello and the Buzzcocks and bands, and uh, probably, and I think. There are a lot of bands around that time, around the early 80s, late 70s, that were doing that kind of thing. Um, but he, I think he wishes that he could have done that for their whole career, didn't have to go towards that that um, new wave sound of the 80s with all the heavy synth and and, and whatnot. But um, they were just so much better at that, I, I think. And that, mm, it did compliment them. Yeah. And his voice as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they... I don't know, probably the, the for, A Forest and those sort of songs is where Killing an Arab is 
is where they got their cult following started, but definitely their new wave 80s stuff brought them to the rest of the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's what the pop charts were listening to, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I would probably just say that um, because I didn't um, grow up listening to them or was aware of them but knew of some of the big songs that we'll talk about coming up, but I – and the song – ones that I have in my mind aren't the ones that are um, melancholy. They're they're more upbeat. So I probably wasn't aware of um, the stigma that surrounded them. I think I just thought, oh, they've got really quirky songs that I really like. That was probably my initial thought about them. So um, it wasn't like um, Amanda said until I was sort of when we did our 10, whenever – I think we did ours back in June – and, and I always start from the beginning of their albums and go through and, you know, there'll be some weeks where we've got a band that I'm like, I can't actually do any more of this. It's too whatever it is. So I think that sounds like, oh, yeah, it is quite um, – I can then pick up the, the dark, you know, the darker side. But, yeah, initially I sort of thought that they were just quite quirky with the songs that I liked that I knew they'd done. So, yeah. And your journey, Amanda – it was, um, do, do you recall them well, like uh, in the 80s or, or 90s, or you've had to throw back as well and say, I better go, I better go back and. Uh, I went back. Yeah. Yeah, I went back and, um, you know, thank goodness for Spotify, right? Yeah. Like you can, you, whatever you want to listen to, it's there. And I, I think this has just opened up music for everyone because then we could go yeah. back and listen to the very first album. But honestly, halfway through, I'm just like, I don't think I can listen to this anymore. This is just too much. And so I listened to a few albums um, sporadically and it, then I got to the greatest hits, the remastered greatest hits. Yeah, and like, yeah look, these are the songs that I remember li- hearing on the radio and growing up to and, yeah, definitely yeah. more of the pop. But I... I wonder if I was a child of the 60s whether The Cure would have been right up my alley because, you know, I kind of, you know, in the early 90s liked a lot of that sadder sound of music, you know, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness was one of my favourite albums growing up and, you know, that just that really kind of dark and um, and meaningful. Like I think his early music was really meaningful to him because, you know, he did write it when he was maybe, you know, a little bit, you know, depressed and that's where his inspiration came from, um, mm. even though he's not a sad person. So, yeah, I, I, but then when listening to The Greatest Hits, it's like, oh, yeah, this song, and I was playing it out loud and my husband was like, oh, gosh, you're listening to all the anthems here, you know. So, yeah, I think you, you have to be um, a, a cult fan to be um, to listen to their early stuff and actually, you know, really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just going off what you said, Amanda, I wonder, um, you know, we were sort of coming of age in the 90s with grunge and and ironically with music that was quite angsty. So I wonder for people who were, you know, hitting their early teens, mid-teens in in the early 80s, you know, they love it because they related at that moment. Mm. Like it's such a pivotal age of finding the music you love but also getting to know who you are. Um, Yeah. So I think, um, and music yeah, plays a big part of that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so already- for us, to, oh, sorry, I was going to say for us to say like um, smashing pumpkins and you know thinking of Pearl Jam and and that sort of thing, and we Rage love it. The machine, like love it. Yeah, and then right. people who were early '80s 
don't yeah. get that. But then they're like, no, 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 this. And we're like, no. It's so, I think it's the whole picture. It's the whole mm. time. It's the music and, and you know, the, the life you're living and, yeah, it's all um, intertwined. I'm really glad I watched um, some of the YouTube stuff of Robert Smith because um, listening to his music just yeah made me feel a bit dowdy and a bit like Ugh. but then when you watch him and see him and and hearing talking about his creativity and his vision and and you know what he likes and what he doesn't like you just respect those earlier albums so much more because mm. he you can see the person behind that that music and yeah and the time as well like you know, could you imagine what the, you know, the 60s and 70s were like in the UK when he was growing up and, you know, boys didn't show any emotion and, and he's a really emotional guy and he wants to be able to let that out but he's in a, in a, in a space that says, no, no, you know, boys don't cry. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're getting there but this is, you know, this is what he felt growing up um, and he wants, he, you know, he's like it's my party and I'll cry if I want to kind of thing. So. Mm. Um, one other one I had is um, I find that there's another band who I like who is similar to them, and I mentioned that to Nikki before, and that was the Smiths. And they, I think they walk a similar mold. Like um, they're very, they've got a cult following, uh, big in the '80s. Similar music styles too, very synth and guitar driven, like massive guitar drift with a big synth overlay on the background. Um, but then I said, mentioned that to Nikki, and you said Robert Smith absolutely he hates the Smiths. Yeah, apparently they've got a, a rivalry um, between oh, the two. I didn't look up more than that, but um, and I guess there's always at that time, like people always like to go versus against, you know, the, the upcoming or you know the top bands of the time. So it was obviously them at one point. Um, the Smiths are yeah. from Manchester too, so it could be a north-south thing as well. Oh yes, it would be anyway. Yeah whether they liked each yeah. other or not. I, I remember you, um, you know, you, one podcast you are talking about music T-shirts. Mm. Yes. Yes. And, Damien, you had a UMI T-shirt, a blue one. You used to wear it all oh. the time. Isn't that amazing you remember the colour and everything? Oh, I love. Well, I loved the T-shirt. Oh, hang on, what is he going to do here? <laughs> it was, have you still got it? I haven't got that one. That one I wore that till it fell off me. But um, you did. You wore it all the time. Oh, it's um, a cool t-shirt though. I understand why. And um, I was at a day on the green about six months ago, and the same t-shirt was there. So I bought it again. Oh, you did! Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Well done. A couple of sizes bigger now, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about the very first t uh, music T-shirt I got. I think it was a Crowded House T-shirt. But I went to the very first big day out and oh. I didn't know what to wear and Danny lent me his Cypress Hill T-shirt. Oh. And I thought I was the coolest person in the world. <laughs> That's cool awesome. Cypress Hill T-shirt. Oh, so funny. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I had to give it back though. So. Yeah. He's like that. He's like that. <laughs> Never got my McDonald's shirt back from me. Yeah. Right, I've got a bone to pick. Amanda, by having you submit your top ten to the to the count, you knocked out two of my songs. Oh, so much. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, one of them was from my – I wanted to talk about soundtracks because – 
one of my favourites, well, absolute, my absolute favourite soundtrack of all time, the first song on that soundtrack and probably the one, probably the song for the movie is, is a Cure song. And the song is called Burn and it was from the Crow sound. If you and I love that song in it. And if there's any, if you wanted to pigeonhole the cure anymore about being emo or goth, whack, <laughs> them, the, whack them in the crow film, the, the crow sound track. So. I was just when you say that, it, like that just actually really works the cure and the crow. Yeah, I mean, yeah that sure. is just a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, to the makeup and everything that the, the, the crow yeah. wears. Yeah, so. Um, I just wanted to talk about soundtracks, some that you can remember from your own record collection, some that you just remember being massive at the time, or some that you might even regret uh, have, have putting uh, into the CD collection. So uh, who would like to go first? Do you, do you guys recall? Shall I go first? Or I have um, just one that springs to mind is, for me as a kid, La Bamba. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that might have been if um, one of the first movies I had gone to to the cinema to see and then obsessed by it, thought it was amazing. But we had the soundtrack and that got played a lot. Yeah. Um, the only other soundtrack I could think of that was big um, that I can think of, um, dare I say, was for The Bodyguard. <laughs> With Whitney Houston doing oh, I'll Always Love You and yeah, with Dolly. So um that was massive. Um Kylie Clayton will be crying at home now because you've mentioned La, La Bamba again. She got very upset. <laughs> and Dolly. Two yeah. for her. Yes. Yeah. Um so oh, the, and Grace. Two? I'll let you talk about your one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any Amanda that you had in the collection? Yeah, I'm not ashamed to say. Um, the Lost Boys soundtrack. I had it. Oh! <laughs> if you listen to the start of our podcast, you might hear the saxophone player play every now and then. From... <laughs> uh, well, I've got, I've, I, I had it on DVD, I had it on cassette, and I had it on CD. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I, was like I thought I was tough because um, I saw a scary movie because I'm not really into scary movies, but that was one that I could watch and not be frightened of. Um, and I just loved, yeah, I love, love Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Oh, and, um, I remember those names. The music was a little bit haunting but not and a little bit racy with, the you know, some of the heavy metal stuff but not like it was really middle of the road kind of soundtrack and I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not ashamed. So it had the doors people are strange it wasn't the door singing it but it had people are strange on that on that yeah. set, right and but the best song on it was that um that cry little sister the one that i yeah, yeah with the choir, the choir kids singing in the background as all yeah. favourite one, as I said, was a crow. I also had singles from the oh, singles that had all uh, the your Pearl Jams and um, your Soundgarden and 
yeah. a bit of Jimi Hendrix on there and so stuff, but I love State of Love and Trust off that. So that was one oh, yeah. along, along with The Crow. Probably a weird one that I had and it was just an unusual mix because I had a mix of uh, your grunge singers and people that era singing with rappers and it was called Judgment Night. And oh. if you haven't heard of that, I don't, the movie wasn't very big, but the CD was actually quite big. There's one song of hers called Faith No More on the Booyah Tribe. Bill Jam would sing with someone like Dr. Dre, and I had just all these pieces of songs like that. Um, so, your big um, rap artists at the time combining with your big uh, grunge artists, which it had some good songs on there. Um, but probably the biggest one I remember, I didn't know. But I was dirty dancing. And I uh, yep. So that's that's probably the, I, I should have actually done some research and seen what has been the biggest soundtrack of all time. But I would have thought either Dirty Dancing or Pretty Woman would be right up there. I thought you were going to mention uh, Grease. I was going to say that, but I, I thought. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, that's. I think that's worthy of a mention, and and also answers the question of the song that makes you cry. So that's two, <laughs> two for one. Get out the tissues. Yeah, this is why we never have two ladies on the show. There's always hanging <laughs> up on the boys. Okay, let me just say um, the biggest selling soundtrack of all time. Oh, funny, that's some research. I have. I've just uh, is. 1992, The Bodyguard. Oh, wow. um, oh, yeah. yeah, and then followed by 1977, Saturday Night Fever. Okay. 87, Dirty Dancing, and 97, Titanic. So wow. that's interesting, all with huge um, movies attached to them. Yeah. Um, I could imagine the music from Titanic would be nice to listen to. Yeah. Singing that one song over and over again. Oh, Celine, that's right. Yeah, people loved that. Um, not this person, but I know other people did. <laughs> I don't know. Do they still have soundtracks for movies now? Like it feels like it was something that... I don't know if uh, now that sort of um, CDs aren't a massive selling thing anymore, if they've just stopped doing them or... The Spotify. I don't know if you can look up on Spotify if you can get sent low. I don't even know a movie that would have a big soundtrack at the moment. Mm. A lot of good songs in it. Um, what the you know the TV shows that the kids watch on like Netflix or whatever mm. that one I said before Sunday they you know they've got soundtracks they've got like fourteen soundtracks oh, <laughs> oh really yeah all on Spotify um, and I think the a lot of the movies have like well I don't know about um, you know adult movies like not adult. I mean, like you know, like a, a Mission Impossible movie, for example, that had a cool soundtrack. Kind of the same thing. Um, but um, a lot of like you know, you can. Um, oh, what's that girl with the hands? Frozen. You know that all those sound. There's heaps of those kind of things that you yeah. can like on Spotify. Yeah, we but, had yeah, Frozen and Trolls. Adult movies, I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, your trolls have one as well. Oh, here we go. Um, honourable mentions, guys. Um, I'm going to go through them and I would like you to let me know if any of them have brought you any sorrow. 
Um, I'm going to start with why can't I be you? 10.15 Saturday night, a forest, burn, maybe someday, plain song, let's go to bed, end, a night like this, high, as in H-I-G-H, and just say yes. So that's not many honourable mentions compared to Sorry, other. I was looking it up. <laughs> um, not a lot of them kind of jump out at me. Let's go to bed does because yeah. after I listened to it, I couldn't get it out of my head. I kept saying it all the time. My husband was very excited, as you could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, 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 it's a cure song. Just <laughs> calm down. Um, um, probably for me. Uh, I didn't even have it in my 10, but I'd say probably now is the one I said before, why can't I be you? I really like that song now. Um, yeah, the other one would be one that probably said, yes, let's go to bed. Um, and the ones that Amanda knocked out for me, but I didn't expect them to make it. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, what do you think, Smarty? Any there for you? Oh, maybe just the one you mentioned, but um, I don't feel like I, um, I'm not feeling um, emotionally attached today where I would get fired up about these uh, decisions. Passed, yeah. So I'm very zen about it today. It's just, okay. you know, easy come, easy go. So um, I think the main ones are in our 10 and that's, I'm happy with that. Mm. I did like The Forest. I thought that was a really cool song. Oh, but cool. Yeah, yeah I, it's not something I would listen to on repeat, like it wouldn't go into a playlist. But when I hear it, I think, oh, yeah, like, you know, oh, this song, you know, I like this song, but I wouldn't seek it out. But mm. the other ones don't, um, yeah, I'm just really into pop these days, which is so incredibly sad. I was so, the one that had a forest and I only had it in at number 10 anyway, so yeah. it was never going to make it. Just made yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, I saw Amanda lifting up a beer bottle there before. Um Nikki, there it is. You're having a Peroni. Having a Peroni. <laughs> Buongiorno, boys. Buongiorno. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to laugh. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I feel a bit embarrassed to show you what I'm drinking, but it's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it a gin and milkshake? Like when you get home at 3 o'clock and there's nothing left? <laughs> Do it yourself. It's, um, it's a boat rocker stout. <laughs> wow. I know. Wow. Well, an old sea captain. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh-huh. um, to match my lazy eye that will come from drinking it. But, um, yeah, um, I love a stout um, from time to time. So stout it is. <laughs> I'm just having a great northern. I, I had my uh, hospital gala the other night, so um, I've just recovered from that. So, um, um, something that did happen at the gala is I was on the table with the young crew, which was weird itself, but uh, I felt pretty cool for a while. And they said, you coming up for a dance? Come up for a dance? Oh, I'll come a bit later. I'll have a few more drinks and that sort of thing. So good song came on. I didn't go out to the dance floor, but I sort of get into a bit of a boogie at the table. And one of the young crew popped up and said, I can see why you don't dance. Uh, <laughs> you weren't even standing up yet. <laughs> no, I hadn't even gone to the dance floor yet. So that was the end of the day for the night. I had hurt feelings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crack up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, what was the song? Can you remember? I think it was Jessie's Girl. 
Oh. Oh, well, that's an old one. You should have already had well-established moves to that song. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine by this time. They worked up until that point. <laughs> they worked really well in the late 80s. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, all right. Shall we get a wiggle on? All right. Let's. All right. So unlike every other week um, where you guys have known the, the run of how the songs are going to come out, I kept it to myself this week. So you guys don't know what's in what position. So you guys don't know who's talking about what song until I say what it is. So we're going to start off with Amanda, oh. song number 10, and it is from the album Galore. And the song is called... Wrong number. That only made ten? You're the only voter. Here we go. Did you, Did you count it correctly? I, I, I'm very <laughs> thorough with my spreadsheet and everything. Your evaluation? Yeah. Uh, I'm like okay. a beautiful mind. I write it on the windows in chalk. <laughs> Well, interesting because it's one of their um, their tracks that I think was around more of a time that we were listening to their music. So, um, yeah, I'm surprised number 10. I mean, it's not a fantastic track. It's fun. Um, so that was released in 97. Yeah, talked a lot about um, colours and, and um, just I actually don't know what the song's about. <laughs> Quite random. It was it draws on that, that 60 vibe of the colours, lime green and tangerine. Um, and then, yeah, and then all of a sudden someone rings and it's a wrong number. And, um, yeah, I think he got the, the name of the song just because someone rang him and it was a wrong number. Okay. So. You, you can definitely tell it's 90s. From the I mean, yeah. Um, it's got that wave guitar. You know, that wah, 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 like. Yeah. With that um, effect on the guitar, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought of um, Def FX when I heard it. But oh yeah, yeah. So that does have a likeness. Um, there was another song out in the nineties too. It might be in the early two thousands, but um, I think the band was called The Music. The people, the people. They had they used a lot of that wave effect as well. So it made me think of that as well. Um, yeah, about, I just yeah, thought it was a really fun song, but you heard a lot of his voice. You don't always hear his voice that clear in a lot of the music, yeah. and I think that track you really got to hear that he had a bit of a range. Yeah, yeah. And because we haven't we hadn't heard a lot from them for so long, and then they came out with this really you know classic pop song. It's kind of yeah, I just I, I really liked it. Yeah. It was on it. It actually made Triple J Hottest 100 one year. Okay. Oh. It came in the top ten. Yeah. Oh, I remember wow. because they had the album and I'm sure it did. I think um, that's why I remember it so vividly and, it, like, why I liked it so much. Um, they, one of my ones that didn't make it was uh, sort of in the same vein. It was maybe Sunday. I, I heard it on Triple J. Cure had um, album of the week or whatever and, I thought, geez, I've had a cure for a long time, but they're so they're so good. Like, yeah, yeah. Really good so. they're always around, aren't they? That's yeah. the thing. you always hear their music sometimes, and you think, oh yeah, the cure. Like, I remember them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you? You didn't have that one either, Smarty. Obviously. 
No, no, they weren't on my list. Um, so I choose to have no com- comment about this one. <laughs> okay. Shall we move on to number nine? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Nikki, you're going to take us through number nine. And it is from the album Disintegration. And the song is called... Love Song. Oh, right. Okay. So, uh, Love Song. I had this... uh, Well, I'm just looking at my list. I had this at number 10. So, uh, this has um, snuck through. Uh, What I really liked about it, um, aside from the sound of it, was that this was um, um, Robert Smith had um, written this song for his wife as a wedding gift uh, for his, um, who he's still married to now, I believe. Mary is her name. So um, I thought that was quite a nice um, nice little bit of information about it. Um, the only other thing I noted about it was just um, that it was, yeah, the keyboards, which feature through a lot of their songs. It's such an 80s sound, I think, um, you know, the keyboard synthesizer. Um, but it really does work for The Cure. There's a, you know, sometimes I've heard other bands talk about music from the 80s and kind of dismiss it. I know Dave, I've heard Dave Grohl say in interviews, that, you know, 80s are just, you can you know, don't worry about the 80s. But I, I don't think that's entirely true. And um, I think synth and keyboards definitely had their place um, on some really good songs. So, um, yeah, so a nice little um, little gift for Mary Smith. Is I don't this think you, can, you will never be able to dismiss the 80s. The no. 80s no. keep coming back to bite us every year, like in fashion, in music, in everything. You just can't discount it. Every genre, every year when music changes, like it's it's always going to be a part of the next era, isn't it? Because and depending, yeah, depending yeah. on the influences of the age. Um, like Robert Smith had said, he grew up as a youngster listening to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Like you know, so that was the early foundations. But you're so right. I reckon even now you can hear so many um, songs at the moment with just such an 80s um, vibe to them and it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So, um, yeah, I I agree. I think there's, I mean, there's definitely some um, ones that you sort of, I think the 80s had had the best of, you know, some of their tunes and they had really the worst. I think it was the the decade that it saw your Millie Vanillies and, Things wow. like that where people who had no talent could actually get a recording contract and exactly. release and do a video and people would buy it. Yeah. So I think that's probably where the 80s get a bit of a bad rep is from that. But yeah. and now we've got Instagram and YouTube. We don't need <laughs> the top ten charts to tell us what's hot and what's not, you know. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> I, I have a love song at number five, I'll tell you. I love it. You might have had it the highest amount at number five, I think. Mm-hmm. By memory, love song. I I love the synth in love song. I think it's really nice. And and this is my first argument for a song. It's a really nice song. It's a like you said. Is this one you said is for his wife? It's yeah, a really pretty lovely song. But it sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my first argument. So they're not, they're not that sad. They just sound it like. But the actual content and the and the lyrics are actually quite. Um, if someone else was singing in it, it'd sound upbeat. Almost, but because it's his voice and his face, that little sad face he has all the time. 
It, it just, it just people, I think, yeah, assume it's sad, but yeah, but I think it's a beautiful song, love song. Mm. Yeah. I just um, have read um, that Robert Smith has said it's an open show of emotion. It's not trying to be clever. Um, it's taken me 10 years to reach the point where I feel comfortable singing in a very straightforward love song. Um, so that says a lot too, um, mm. that, you know, that those earlier years and, and trying to portray a different style and then not that I, they, I don't think they gave up and went, you know, changed direction, but, yeah, to sort of go to that... Um, uh, yeah, and that was late 80s. So, you know, that was um, released in um, August 89. So even at that time, music was really changing. Um, we were just about to hit grunge time. Um, there was a lot of, I reckon, uh, um, like Mick Jagger had gone solo and David Bowie um, was doing different stuff and Robert Plant and they were all doing that random stuff and then like there was a lot going on hip-hop was happening and it was a real mesh so um it's interesting that he was releasing this sort of stuff at that time yeah. like simplifying it yeah and but interesting that he would come out and say it's taken me all this time you know to to express my love on an open platform to my wife through a song or whatever like yeah that, being the kind of character he is, you sort of think that those kind of really melancholy love songs would come to him quite naturally, but clearly, clearly not. Mm. Obviously a very complicated character. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But, you know, only sing when, only sing about things when he felt like he could. Maybe. No manufacturing Maybe. songs for him. Yeah. Like K-pop yeah. <laughs> or, um, you know, yeah. those kind of bands that, kind of a bit manufactured in the way that they produce their songs and their albums and, you know, they follow a formula, whereas he doesn't do that. He he sings from his heart and from what he feels and what he experiences. Mm. Next up, the next one that we're going to talk about, I find it very similar to the one we've just spoken about and I like the sound of it and uh, the direction they've taken with it. I'll say what it is now. And, Nikki, you're going to take us through this one as well from the same album, Disintegration. This is Lullaby. Yes. Okay. So this one um, I was interested to read about. There's a lot of um, speculation about the meaning of the lyrics in this song. Um, I, it's For me, listening to it, it has a really hypnotic sound to it um all the way through um the bass um his voice um it just it just sort of is really um mellow but at the same time um still strong and drawing you in um just the, the different parts that I did read about it um you know some people thought that it might have been a bit of a, a nod fit to his um life that he was um sort of involved and mixed up in um drug use and it could have been that um others say it's about facing a fear and then actually beating the fear and the film clip itself depicts him um kind of being trapped in this um big spider um coming along and he can see it's coming toward him and that's going to eat him and it, it, that's what happens um so it's a uh, um, has like that creepy um, 
I guess that creepy feel to it too, you, that you're a bit trapped and, and you can't escape. And, it's kind um, of a lullaby, isn't it? Like it's, yeah, yeah, it is. That, that's a perfect way to say it. it's an anti-lullaby. Um, but, but, it's, but it's also real. I feel like I really love listening to it. It's a really nice song, even though it's, it's sort of a bit darker in the lyrics again. Um, is it the, the strings that are, um, you know, that, do, 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 do. or is that the synth? I'm not sure. I think it's but synthesizer, yeah. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's a great song. It comes together really well. Um, definitely my favourite film clip of the QR, of all the ones I watched. I really, really, really liked it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I find it. I find the song to be a lot like Love Song. Um, I didn't have yeah. it in my top ten, but I do like the song. Um, yeah, I love that synth as well. I just think they do that really well. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a. I think there there is a bit of a formula on this album. Um, it, it's like this: the synth starts. They really hit their synth. I think they got a new synth player. They fired the old one and got a new one, and that's and you can really hear it shine like with songs like Love Song and Lullaby. A lot yeah. More. And the uh, bass as well. The bass is a really bass heavy around this time as well. I think that changed a bit in the nine in their nineties sound, but they're really bass heavy in the eighties, which which I that's probably why I like the eighties music probably a bit better than their their ninety stuff. But um, yeah, yeah cracking song. Yeah, I could have easily had it in my thing. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't. No, just fell short. Oh, Amanda, you had lullaby in yours too, I think. Yeah, I've had it at, um, let me have a quick look. I had number three. I just looked mine up. So, I'm a, yeah, I really like it. Oh, I had it at number nine. Oh. But I, I did have a lot of trouble pulling mine, putting mine in an order. Yeah, I have that so, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of got to the stage where I was just like, you know what, I'm just picking things now mm. because there's so many of them that I would have had, you know, number two. <laughs> Yeah. Four at number two and, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. All right. So that was number eight. That was Lullaby, which is a very good song. Now, number seven, I'm going to have a bit of a chat about this one. It's from the album Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, and the song is... Heaven. It only made it to number seven, but it was my number one. Oh wow! Oh wow! Mm. Um, I don't. I think you guys didn't, didn't. I know Amanda, you didn't vote for it. Nikki, I don't think you voted for this one either, did you? Oh you yeah, did. I yeah, I had it at number seven myself. Yeah. Okay. So there was yeah. someone who didn't. It might have been Danny who didn't vote for it either. But um, yeah, uh, I love this song. I think it's. It's definitely one of their more prettier songs with their lyrical content. Um, the song starts with that um, typical 80s drum machine beat, but then the synth in it is so pretty. And then um, the best part of the song is those f- first initial t- guitar riffs. I think they're just amazing. There's also a bridge later in the song that has where they change it up a bit. That's also very cool with the synthesizer. It's very dreamy, this song. Um uh, even to the film clip as well, that's also, like you said, our lullaby was dreamy, but this is sort mm. of dreamy the other way. It's, and um, you were talking about Robert Smith's wife earlier. There's yes. a lady dancing in this song, Just Like Heaven. It is her herself. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Smith. 
dancing oh. with Robert in the song. I think my auntie. Yeah. Of course, Amanda. Yeah. yeah. There's been a lot of talk of the Smiths today. All the <laughs> yeah. Um, the vo- his voice just really suits his song. I, it, I, I, what I mean is it, it kind of suited, because this is when they changed their sound a bit from that post-punk to that sort of pop sound. I just think his voice has got that new wave sound so, so so much better than, than the post-punk sound. It just suits it so well with all the synth and the pretty noises and then his mm. sort of dreamy voice and sad sort of sound. I think it really defines um, 80s new wave. Um, what else to say about Just Like Heaven? Um, the film clip, apart from Mrs Smith, there's a pretty typical sort of Cure film clip, a uh, band playing in the background, a lot of Robert Smith doing a lot of hand movements, heart movements, and looking beyond the camera out into the, the nether. Um, so, signature lipstick. Yeah. With the <laughs> signature hair. Yeah. Ruby Woo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another, well, I like one of our songs that we haven't mentioned yet. It's another one that's based on a cliff with him looking over a cliff. So, always comes back to this sort of, uh, I don't know if it's, you know, when they talk about in dreams, how you never go over, if you go over a cliff in a dream and you die in real life. Um, <laughs> so Didn't know that. There you go. That's what they say. That's the word on the street. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a cool film clip, but it's very typical cure. Um, I, I love the part of this song where he just lifts his voice and says, why are you so far away from me? That's, that's a really nice part of the song. Used in a lot of uh, movies and a lot of TV shows, this song, when someone's meeting someone for the first time. Mm. Yeah, just love it. Called my favourite Cure song. Um, also, heard, I've heard this song um, covered a lot of times in a really stripped-back version. It's really good for weddings and things like that as well because of the content of the song. It's just a really, really nice song. Uh, Robert Smith also says it's his favourite pop song that they did, or he thinks it's not his favourite, but he thinks it's their best work as a pop song. Yeah, yeah, right. Really? Mm. It is a beautiful song. It only, it just didn't make the cut. Number 11. <laughs> <laughs> the famous number 11. Yeah. 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 It's, just, <laughs> it's just so hard when you make, you know, when you say, oh, you know, at work sometimes we have question of the day and the question might be your favourite song and I'm like, oh, from like what genre, what era, what date, you know, like before kids, after kids, like how can you, you can't just condense to one, in my opinion, to one song. And um, I think most of the songs that we've chosen are the the anthems of of the different faces of The Cure. And, um, yeah, it's a gorgeous song and sorry, number 11. It is, it is very similar to another song that we've got coming up too. I find a lot of their songs go in pairs. I reckon this one sounds a lot like another one as well, but I think uh got a little bit higher. Well, it did get a little bit higher because we haven't mentioned it yet. Smarty, what do you think about Just Like Heaven? You had it in there. Yeah, I had it in there. Um, I really liked it. I'm just looking at my list and I'm surprised that it. I had that in before Boys Don't Cry. Um yeah, so no, it's um, it's a yes from me. I think when I did listen, because we'd mentioned earlier, I didn't grow up listening to The Cure or find them either since. Um, I do feel a bit guilty for it because looking at the list I've got, I genuinely really like the songs I've got in there. So, um, yeah, I think it might be a, um, a little note to self that, yeah, I don't mind them. 
Very nice. They're growing yeah. on <laughs> They're growing on me. Yeah. They're, they're curing my ales, yeah. Um, as I mentioned, there is a song that I find very similar to, as it turns out, it came in at number six. And Nikki is going to take us through that one. It is from the album The Head on the Door, and the song is called... In Between Days. I actually had this song in my tent at number four. So, um, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, uh, watching the, um, the film clip, it's got that really disorientated, um, the camera's swinging around and they're pushing it away. And I couldn't help but think of like they're passing a ball. Like it's it comes in and then it goes out again. And I thought it was on a mirror ball, like in it. Like something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, it, and it buzzes around, and it, it was such an '80s kind of um, style as well. There was lots of um, neon colours and um, um, fast tempo guitars, and um, it kind of matches, you know, that it's I guess a bit chaotic in that sense. It all comes together for that. Um, and it was released in 85, so right in the thick of things, I think from what I've read, when they were really huge, um, um, people were loving them. So, yeah, they were definitely, I think like you said before, Jamie, and look, each to their own, but they're probably in their prime around sort of so. mid-80s, late-80s. Yeah, so um, I think this is an example um, of that. So, yeah, really love it. I was yep. just going to mention about that one. I find it interesting that, you know, we keep saying about them having that sort of um, more downcast style, but I keep the songs that I'm picking are tending to be more upbeat from them, which kind of goes back to when I was saying when I knew of them initially, I didn't realise that they had that um, darkness attached to them. I just thought that they were quite quirky. So, And looking at my list, it kind of is matching up to that. So, yeah. I think that the whole team will reflect that too. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Amanda, uh, In Between Days, you had that in there as well. I did. Um, it's one of those songs that you hear straight away and you think, oh, it's The Cure. Like it's just there. It just sounds like them. I, I don't like how it takes, like it takes a long time for Robert to start singing. There's a big, it's a big kind of intro, which um, it doesn't really suit a pop song that well because it takes so long to take off. But um, it sounds also, it sounds very much like Friday I'm in Love, doesn't it? Like it's got that, that same feel. Are they from the same, oh, they might be from the uh, same. No, I think the Friday I'm in Love come out in the early 90s, so it's probably about... Because oh, just... it's got that same... Um, I don't even know what the word had the word Tempo. is. They run at the same sort of speed. Yeah, speed. and the same sound. Yeah. And I think when I hear in between days, I I kind of feel like I'm I'm having a hug from the cure because it's just Oh, it's that's a, nice. Yeah, it's a nostalgic song that, you know, I did listen to growing up. I didn't have a lot of music from the cure, to be honest, in my in my C D collection. But um, this particular song, I yeah, I'm just really fond of, even though I don't like the intro very much. It takes too long to get to kick off. But you want the radio edit. You want the <laughs> radio edit where it just starts into the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Short and sharp, getting. Yeah. Get um, but I, it's just very, 
very the cure yeah like you said you're saying Nikki like you know that that 85 in the in the thick of like the, what the pop genre looked like and they really hit 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 the mark very very good that was in between days um we've finished with the top half of the count let's go Ooh. should we go straight into number five guys what do you think go for it just we damn well won't because you know why Oh no! <laughs> it's the quiz. It is. It's time for the quiz. I know that's a wrong way to, to um, wrong thing to say, but oh no! <laughs> oh, Money does not appreciate how much work I put into the quiz. My favourite part. My favourite part. <laughs> I have very zero general knowledge on. Okay. Any subject. You'll be right. Be I go to. Trivia nights just for the parmigiana and the beer. You know. this could, this could I was going to say, it makes me feel like I should up my, I need to up my movie game because I haven't seen anything. All right. We're going to do some buzzers. I thought in uh, the spirit of the cure, we might do some uh, love cat buzzers, if that's all right. So, um, Smarty, if you could just give us a big meow as your buzzer. Really? Go on. Meow. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> and Amanda, oh, if you could give us a good kiss, kiss, kiss. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Very good. You got a cat fight on your hands, Mr. Okay. Clayton. No. It's a milk for table too. Oh, mm. how terrible. All right. Question one of the quiz. What was Robert Palmer's ailment that he needed a cure for? Meow. Meow. I'm <laughs> 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 oh, <don't laughs> uh, sorry. Um, we're not fighting it. Um, he needed a cure because he was addicted to love. Oh, that's not what I had, but that actually fits you. That'll do. I have to pay. <laughs> what did you? <laughs> oh, is that how this quiz works? Yeah, I yeah, never know. It just keeps cheating. Um, I heard he had a bad case of loving you. Oh. But, uh, well, he's got I'm, a couple of ailments. Yeah. Um, I think I have to give you the point because that, uh, that's, that's the right answer, I guess. Very good. <laughs> well, I believe I got one right. <laughs> Question two. Which actor played Bruce Willis's bunk buddy in the Cure film 12 Monkeys? Um, Was it Brad Pitt? It is Brad Pitt, correct. Oh, well done. I'm so excited. I like never get stuff wrong. <laughs> Anything movies, I'm for a blank. Oh, you're not going to like this one then, Smarty. Oh, Question yeah. three. In the movie 28 Days Later, how is the first? How is the zombie uh, epidemic first contracted by humans? Nothing. Seen the movie Twenty Eight Days Later? Uh, it's a zombie movie, but it's like more like a disease, and they contract it from something else at a science lab. What might you have at a meow? Smarty. <laughs> Has this got tendencies toward the uh, uh, COVID by any chance? Is this? Um... No, I'm just, no, I'm completely clutching uh, here. It's contracted from another animal. If you want to have a guess, anyone? 
shout out an animal if you like. What what are animals that quite often get tested on? Meow. Um, no. <laughs> um, yeah, go, Amanda. I've got no idea. Rabbits? No. One guess. Meow? Yep. Rats? No. Sorry. The answer was chimpanzees. Chimps. What did they get tested on? That is so sad. That is the mm. saddest thing I've ever heard. Oh. Okay. Peggy Lee had a fever. Not sure if there was a cure, but can you tell me what some of the causes were of Peggy Lee's fever? Do we know what I'm talking about? Never know how much I miss you. Oh, um, when you round? <laughs> yes, I looked at that round. <laughs> <laughs> when you put when she when you put her, your arms around her, she that is one of the causes up. of her fever. Correct. So that takes us to 2-1 with one question left. How <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> it's easy against me with this stuff. <laughs> what cure did Tone Loke find to help him out with his lady troubles? Oh. Tone Loke, do we remember him? I know the name, but I don't know... Is it because she's dressed in yellow? No, no, no. That's that's a different singer. That's Young MC. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was having lady trouble, so someone sold him a kind of a potion, um, and he took that potion, and it caused more problems than the start because it was attracting all the wrong sorts of people, animals, everything, everyone, but except who he didn't want to attract, who he did want to attract. It's not from the peanut butter solution, is it? No. It's a song called Funky Cold Medina. Oh, okay. And that was the name of the potion, Funky Cold Medina. So that um, brings us to the quiz to a close. And Amanda, you won it two to one. <laughs> oh, well done. Another anticlimactic quiz. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm not smarter. You won. You won. <laughs> <laughs> the questions are really hard. They are. They're tricky. <laughs> They're, They're cryptic. <laughs> anyway. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Song number four. From the album Disintegration. Disintegration's had a lot. Uh, yeah. It, I'm going to be covering this one. And did I say song number four? It should be song number five, actually. Number five. And four. I think we're up to. No, five. Uh, number five is. I've been looking so long at these pictures of you that I almost believe that they're. Pictures of you. Oh, interesting. Mm. I didn't know that one. Neither. Long, long intro as well, like in between days. Uh, really long uh, for a pop song, does it? But. Um, I had this pretty high. I very much like this song. Um, uh, this is this is also smack bang in that uh, middle of their sort of new wave era. So I think this was around um, 85, late 80s as well. So it's right in the thick of it. Um, his voice really suits this song again. It's, it's just a, it's a song of grievance um, and of um, not being able to get something back, which which just really suits it, just suits his style. I think you might remember this song gets used a lot, like in TAC ads and things like that. Um, 
I think. Yep. Um, where they showed people who lost loved ones to road trauma holding their pictures, and it was really, really sad. Uh, and it actually might have been um, Angie Hart from Frente who was doing those oh. commercials. I, I, it sounded a lot like her if it wasn't her. Um, but it's a it's a really um, heartbreaking song, I feel, uh, but very still Cure style. Um, so this sort of goes against my argument, this one a bit, that uh, they're not a sad, sad band because this is a really sad, sad <laughs> It's a sad song. Um, yeah. Uh, it actually makes me think of another song um, when I think of, like, the TAC ads and um, just the theme of Pictures With You and, and thinking of sad things. Um, it's a U2 song you might remember called Lemon. Um, that song's actually about U2's mother died when he was really, really young. The only moving image he has of her is her dancing at something. I'm not sure if it's a wedding or a um, some sort of Irish night, but she was wearing a lemon dress and that's the only oh. thing he has left of her. It sounds like an upbeat song kind of lemon, not upbeat, but not kind of poppy and that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a really, really sad song for him. Oh, um, I really like that song. We lost at a young age. So I, that sort of sort of made me think when I thought of Pictures of You, it's just that sad, sad song of loss and, and grieving and um, that you can sort of associate with anything really like death and those not nice things that um, this podcast isn't meant to be about. But um, <laughs> we've been a bit dreary today, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, Look what they're doing to us. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but a really nice song, good song. And I think Danny had this song as this was his number one. This song. Oh right. Yeah. So there it is. I had. Voice a, I had such a, a vulnerability about it in this song, doesn't it? It's it's almost like he's on verge of tears himself as he tries to express the words, I think, in this particular song. Mm. Mm. They, they do have a knack of saying things very simply but very effectively. Mm. I, I mm. Like they don't worry about big words and, and like, um, any deep analysis or anything like that. It's just they're just really nice poetic lyrics, their songs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a way to describe it, actually, because yeah. he, he clearly wears his heart on his sleeve. Mm, yeah. He's like, this is who I am, you know. So, yeah, it's a beautiful way to put it. And I think when you have such a – I really think his voice is beautiful. I think when you've got such a pretty voice, you could sing anything and say anything and it will be nice to listen to. It's hard to thumb down because, like we mentioned last week, we were talking about distinct singers in the Radiohead episode. He, he, never come, he was never going to come up anywhere in that because – but it is a really distinct voice, but just it doesn't have – it's not a big voice, a big powerful voice. It's just a really sad um, but lovely voice at the same time that really um, makes their music shine, yeah, stand out. There was a girl um, on The Voice years ago and she um, had this beautiful voice just like this, this really sweet, vulnerable-sounding voice, mm. and um, she's, she's Vera Blue. Vera Blue. Yeah, and she, she's got a great I, voice. And I remember they gave her a cranberry song to sing on The Voice. 
and um, she just couldn't. She just couldn't do it. Like her voice just was not there. Even though she made the song really pretty, she was just trying to hit that note. Powerful. She couldn't do it. And um, they, everyone was saying, "Oh, this is this is the wrong song for her. She this she can't have. You know, this is not a good song for her." And when you look at her now, she's just so stunning. Like her voice is just so stunning. Yeah. For you know, for what she sings. I didn't know. Is that how she was discovered? Was through the voice yeah yeah oh and she was really beautiful but she was never going to be a winner on the voice because she just wasn't that mold do you know what I mean she just wasn't going to be able to be pigeonholed I think she had a a more of a vision of who she wanted to be as an artist because she's come look how far she's come I remember um I never got into them fully but I reckon every year initially there was someone who was really really talented and like you say they wouldn't actually win it they were they were too quirky or they were too unique to not fit the mold of what they wanted them to do at the end and sing the song and all that sort of stuff but um I didn't know she was from that but that reminds me of I don't know if you remember there was a guy named Bobby Flynn and he had big hair. He's a bit like a sideshow Bob sort of style, but he was a really talented muso and he only got halfway through or something. But, um, yeah, oh, I'm blown away by that with Vera Blue. I'm mm. a big fan of hers, yeah. It just reminds me of, like, just having this conversation reminds me of her because she, you know, she's, you can pick her music straight away just like you can just hear, you can hear Robert's voice. When you hear Robert's voice, you know, mm. immediately, you know what it's about kind of thing. I know Jamie and I have spoken about that we love big voice singers, big, you know, power behind the voice and you can't help but admire it. But then there's also that admiration for those singers who are sort of... Left of singer. They're not quiet. That's that's not the right word either. Yeah, but they know their their skill with their voice is not to shout or be the loudest, even though you said Cure, you know, was the loudest gig. But, yeah, they've got a really pretty voice. They know how to use their voice to yeah. to their potential and it's not necessarily like, yeah, really loud and powerful or gravelly or, you know, all the other styles of singing that there is. Mm. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where you kind of your Gomez fella comes into it and thinks oh. there's something a little bit quirky about it. Or um, do you guys know Joanna Newsom? She's a harp no. player. She's a really uh, sort of alternative, like a harp player. I'll, I'll put some of her up as well because she's got that kind of little like, airy, like fairy kind of voice, but it sounds beautiful on that. And it's a funny thing. Should we go outside? So, yeah, and that's when Amanda mentioned her. That's, that's the first sort of person that comes to my mind, someone like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was pictures of you at number five. Uh, shall we go to number four, guys? Shall we? Getting to the pointy end. Yeah. Let's do a quiz. Let's do it a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I've actually prepared this one earlier. Oh, no. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> number um, four, let's do it. Number four, Amanda, you're going to take us through this one. Oh, great. <laughs> Number four is from the album with the same name, and it's. I try to laugh about it, hiding my tears in my eyes, cause boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. I mean, it makes sense that this came in mm. in the top five, really. Um, yeah, released in that sort of really late seventies time. Um, mm. It. 
look on that album Killing an Arab, which would be so politically incorrect to call an album that. Um, I think that um, what I had mentioned earlier is that, you know, Robert um, didn't like suppressing his feelings and didn't want to, um, you know, not be who he wanted to be. He didn't want to conform to how they, you know, you're supposed to be and this is what this song is all about, that, you know, he was told that boys don't cry but he he wants to cry, <laughs> you know. That's, that's where he finds his inner peace for his music, not necessarily himself, but his music. So I think that's really where this um, song came from. But it's also a poppy song, isn't it? You know, mm. it's really got a real pop and upbeat feeling to it. So, you know, when you look at the title, Boys Don't Cry, it could, could have gone either way. <laughs> could have been really dark and sad. But I think, you know, coming into that 80s era where there was a lot of pressure on him to um, conform to pop, dare I say it, because of, um, you know, he just kept losing so many band members over the time because it, it just was too sad for people. They wanted to move into this new era of music and, um, yeah, and this this song was born, and yeah, uh, fun fun music from the early eighties. That mm. still kept his style, you know. He didn't do a Boy George or a mm. um, you know a Wham or anything. He he already had that, I guess. He already had that look already, um, and he didn't change for it. And yeah, he was maybe a bit edgier than Wham and um, Boy George because just hearing you say those two names, I was like, oh. I can see and hear similarities, but, yeah, he's probably that edgier and probably because of the punk background. But um, I was going to say just on the back of that, that was released in June 79. This must have been one of the first, like, really poppy, poppy songs because wasn't it like sort of, you know, there was rock in the early 70s and then it was disco by the late 70s. Like, this would have been really a totally different sound at that time, I would have imagined. Um I actually, um, they, they released this song twice. It didn't do very well the first time. Ah, too so different. They released it like a couple of years later again, and it was way more successful. So I'd probably just, re- like you say, just released it at the wrong in the wrong era. Um, yeah, but, um, but before his time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to probably see where it was all going, and this is what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do to pull myself out. There was a few on this album that I actually really enjoyed listening to. I think you know he really turned a corner. Um, I think this song's the bridge from the old style to the new style. Yeah. And, and probably the, the first success in this style, I think. Mm. And then that, and it's got that amazing riff, just that really memorable riff. The now, 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 now. Yeah. It holds up well. Yeah, it does. You pick it, up, you pick it up straight away, don't you? As soon as, you, as, soon as it starts, you pick it up straight away. It's a really cute film clip too with the three boys playing. In it, yeah. uh, and there, but you can see the band as their shadows in the background behind mm. the sheet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, like a lot of their film clips where it's them playing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just them playing. Yeah, um, yeah, beautiful song. Um, was always going to be up the pointy end. I think. I think. I think the ones we've got coming are definitely the cream of the cream of the uh, cure crop. But uh, mm. boys don't cry. Everybody had it. Everybody had it pretty high. Yeah. Is there a, um, it's just reminded me, is there an ad just out at the moment that is men and boys like singing a line of this song at the moment? Because it's still such a timely um, topic really, but I have a feeling, I just thought of it then, I might have seen it on 
dare I say, one of the shows on ABC. But I feel like there's a new ad out at the moment and there's mm. men and boys and they're all singing a line of Boys Don't Cry and it's, it's all, you know, about that's not, you know, that's not right and you need to talk and be open and, mm. yeah. So, I mean, the fact that he had done this in the late 70s and we're in early 20, um, yeah, it's a very relevant song. Yeah, it still resonates. I still, yeah, I still think it's really important. I still think that um, kids and boys are probably being brought up, you know, um, the full circle if that's how the, the parents were brought up, you know, monkey see, monkey do, that you be a man and you've got to be this and you've got to be that. It's, that still lingers, that, um, that, that style. So, yeah, it's interesting that he wrote this so long ago, but it's still very much a topic. Yes, um, we proved that. We watched Marley and me the other, the first time the other night, me and Harper and the family. Um, so we put that fact to bed, yeah. Uh, Weeping? I can't do dogs. I, I cannot no. do dogs. <laughs> me neither. I think I have seen that and I think, yeah. There's another um, a book but there's a movie, A Dog's Purpose. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I would say don't, even though it's amazing. It's the same thing. You just... Yeah. I can watch Wait. a horror movie where a thousand people die, not bad an eye, but you kill one goddamn golden retriever. <laughs> and you're a mess. <laughs> I relate. I relate. <laughs> cool, Leo. Boys don't cry. Anything else on that one? Oh, that's all from me, I think, on that one. Yeah. Happy to go. Yeah, I love that song. Um, mm. it over and over. Let's move on to number three. I think I'm going to take this one. Um, it is from the album Wish, and the song is called Friday, I'm in Love. Um, this is my favorite guitar riff from the QR. It's not just one, it's a, well, it's a guitar harmony. I just love it. I don't know how they do it, it just sounds it's so. I try to pick apart which guitar is doing what, but I just get so confused listening to it because it's just so well done. Like they just blend those two guitars um, really well. I, I think this is their commercial peak as QR. Like I don't know anyone mm. that wouldn't know this song and it just gets so much radio airplay. And sometimes that's a bad thing, but I think they you just hear it enough. So it's not a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. And for a sad band, it's actually a beautiful song, isn't yeah. it? Like, totally. Yeah. You know, he he's still has that sadness in his voice that he I think he that's just a sound that he has. But um, you know he, he speaks about love so beautifully. Yeah, I think um, yeah. this is a this is a bit of a step away from the new wave. I think and moved into the nineties era because they took out that synth that they had as dominating in those eighty songs, and also the bass is reduced back. You can't hear the bass much, and the so you can just hear those guitars a lot more, the guitar and drum, which is a real nineties thing. I reckon yeah. moving into your grunge era and things like that. They did, yeah. They probably just, um, uh, I guess, modernised it for the time, but still keeping true to the sound. They're evolving, but it's definitely the cure. There's not, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, no mistaking who's who's playing the song is because it always comes back to Robert Smith, doesn't it? his sound and yeah, his way. Um, yeah, really pretty lyrics. There's a, you can hear an overdub when you listen to it closely. It's him singing in a low octave and him singing in a high octave. It sounds really, really oh, wow. good. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Um, film clip is again. They say it's a, a tribute to um, the silent era of film when that with all the stuff they're doing and the band members doing in the background. I didn't understand what the basketball shoes were about. At the start of it, he puts on some basketball boots before he starts in. I don't know what that reference is to, but here's a, here's a couple of cool little facts. Um, he's not a great dancer, I don't think. Sorry to be picky, and I know I should be more sensitive. To that, but I <laughs> yeah. From one from one non-dancer to another. <laughs> it's hard to break that into somebody, but um, I always chuck him a tambourine, I think, so he's got something to do with his hands. Um, but I don't think this song is a dance song. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you... That's what maybe, maybe it's a song that they're trying to dance in the film clip, but it's not a dancey, dancing song. Um, <laughs> the film clip was done in, it was, it was recorded in Richard Branson's mansion. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And when he wrote this song, he was absolutely paranoid that he'd ripped it off from somewhere because um, he thought this sound must have come, uh, well, he couldn't believe that he'd written this himself. He thought he must have got it from somewhere else because it just came to him so easily. Um, and I think someone said before that he had, he had a lot of trouble writing these lyrics because he struggles to write cheerful, cheerful songs. Like he finds it so easy to write songs with darker content than he does writing songs with happy content. Um, but it's good, right, because it, it's one of those pop songs that has a bit of music and then goes straight into the lyric. We hear the chorus, you know, two or three times. Yeah. We hear a few other layers in there to keep us interested in the song and then it, woo, well, we're done. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a little bit of a, and we've talked about it before, you know, the great artists who um, who steal and not borrow, like they make it look like it's their own and, and not imitating, but, yeah, I just sort of, when you said that then, it sort of, I went, oh, hang on a minute, I wonder if that was a bit of an inspiration. Um, and that's might have been why I was so paranoid. Yeah. It would be really hard to, to you know, think of something or come up with something or, you know, whichever way and go, hang on a minute, is this something I've heard? Like, is it something I've heard? Um, yeah. Because you do that. That's a natural thing to do. When I, Whenever someone shows me a new song, my first thing is that sounds like this. That's yeah, my natural reaction to it. Oh, they they sound like this band. Yeah, yeah so, it's, and it's okay, isn't it? It's not like oh, how dare they? They sound like that yeah, band. Yeah. It's like oh, I like that band too. So it's we're going to get along great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it must be hard to carve your own style when mm. so many have come before you. Mm. Um, what do you guys think of Friday? I'm in love. Or have we said enough? Look, I just really love it. It's a good song. Fun song. Fun song for them. Mm. Fun song for them. But actually, uh, Thursday is my favourite day, I'll tell you. Because Friday's too late. You're already heading into the weekend. You want to enjoy the weekend from the get-go, and that is 5 o'clock Friday night. <laughs> get excited on a Thursday because guess what? Friday is you're going to be in love, and then you're heading into the weekend. So you think they need to do a rotation on the days? So start at maybe... I don't care if Sunday's blue. And then yes, Sunday's always blue because then you got to go to work on Monday. <laughs> Very nice. Um, what do you think, Smarty? Yeah, I really love it too. Um, I'm just reading here to say, uh, reading up, um, Robert Smith has an uneasy relationship with the song and he sometimes hates it. Um, 
and he says that he feels like people who really like this song aren't actually fans of The Cure. Oh, um, this is our radio head all over again. Oh, totally, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because you go, well, why would you release it? But um, I guess that's always, yeah. you know, I'm those... Sure something that was out of your control now, what happens, it, like it becomes its own entity. Yep. It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. So the tortured musician who they write it, they record it, it's awesome, they release it and then they turn their back on it and don't want anything to do with it. Um, I mean, it sounds like a good problem to have. Like you've got guys yeah. who have a song for their whole life and, then yeah, I think having a song that everyone thinks is amazing is, a, is probably a good problem to have. Yeah. 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 It's a great pop song. It's a very tortured artist thing to say though, isn't it? Mm. Um, not loving your music and, you know, the most popular song is actually your worst. And <laughs> we've, we've talked about it before, like even, you know, a, a lot of um, musicians and artists say that, you know, they often can write because of traumatic circumstances of relationship breakups or, you know, what have you. And then to get up and have to sing that song every live gig and it becomes a song everyone loves and relates to because everyone has the same human experiences and then they grow to hate it and, you know, despise playing it. You're like, oh, that's, yeah, it's, um, hear about it a lot. Well, you think about, um, that reminds me of um, Chris Smith from, is it Chris Smith from Coldplay? You know, and and through... Oh, Chris Martin, sorry. Not, sorry. not your relative. Way too many. You know, when he was going out with Gwyneth Paltrow and, and when Coldplay was really at the height of their game and then they separated, like how do you feel then going back singing those songs? Because he's such a heartfelt guy. You know, his music's quite, um, you know, generous in love and like, well, that's probably not right. But, like, they have this this feeling about them that make you feel good, right, a good mm. good band sort of thing. And then to have to go out on stage and sing that over and over again at a time when you've just separated from your wife and, you know, your daughter can't come to the concerts and you, you called your daughter Apple so you're already upset. <laughs> and then, you know, and then, and then you have to relive that over and over again. And as you say, they, these songs become anthems, yeah. you know. Like how do you keep reliving that? pain to give the song what it needs to be a popular song but then you still have to keep reliving the pain to do that you know my goodness um very good that's friday i'm in love we must move on to number two and amanda you're going to take us through this one it's from japanese whispers and the song is Lovecats. Lovecats. Oh. What a great wow. track. Like it, this doesn't date. This is fun in the 70s. This is fun in 2000 and whatever year we're in, I think. Like I don't think this song really kind of dates and I feel like it was really one of, you know, coming from their earlier stuff that was quite miserable and, and sad, this was a, a an upbeat song but, um Robert Smith actually said it's about a suicide pact. So, wow. He said, um, despite its fun, Robert Smith said Love Cats was written about a suicide pact between two lovers. 
Um, and despite this, he said it was close to being the perfect pop song and was inspired by the Disney film Aristocrats. Are we fact checking today or <laughs> or not? No, um, no. It makes I feel like it makes I believe sense you. Because he is a very tortured lover, isn't he? He's a very tortured soul. Yeah. And um but it I think it's a it's it's you know, it's one of those songs that we listen to and really enjoy and don't really care if the lyrics are sad or or depressing. You know, and those like yeah, you know, start of fun and it's kooky. You know, kissing about the cats and everything like that. And um, when I was in grade two, I did a dance to love cats, and I still have the outfit. My daughter. Oh wears wow! Yeah. Wow! Little 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 shorts and a little crop top. And um, but the sad thing was that I broke my arm halfway through the season and I couldn't complete the dance. So for me, when I was on stage, I had to jump out of a bin and crawl <laughs> around a bin, and then I danced the bit that I knew, and then I'd go back into the bin. So, and that was uh, when was that? That grade two. That was. Oh, so it would have been pretty much when the song was released. Hmm. Yeah, contemporary yeah. dance, very contemporary, and really popular in the day I know we were only little tackers but you know it, it's a song that my parents like um you know can remiss reminisce sorry remiss reminisce on as well like they can think of times when they heard the music or if they're at a party or something so it's nice to hear that about your folks too that they were listening to cool music yeah we had a lot of like is it dap tone vinyl the dap tone and dap tones <laughs> We had a lot of vinyl. Yeah. The, like, the Deltones? Yeah, the Deltones. That was it. There was a lot of Deltones. There was a lot of, um, I think I had Smash Hits 88 on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Thriller. We had Thriller on vinyl. So, so to hear my parents talk about music that, you know, I would have potentially been into when I was, if I knew music back then, is kind of exciting. <laughs> uh, I don't put that in in case my mum listens. Oh. Um, I too did a dance to the the Cure. <laughs> um, it was on a football trip to Bendigo from the middle of the football club. Go D's. Uh, hundred beers under my belt, but um, <laughs> but everyone joined in on my little dance that I was doing. I don't know if. It, it was a bit amazing. Got a bit weird. But, um, yeah, <laughs> a claws in the air and all this sort of stuff. But um, good dance track for that, you know, because there's a lot of like movements where you can kind of pause because the music yeah. keep rolling and rolling and rolling like normal pop songs do. I'm, you a, know. I'm a bit gun shy on talking about my dancing at the moment. Maybe <laughs> yeah. Feeling sorry for me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this has got to be one of the best bass lines of all time. In this song, I reckon. I, I just, it's instantly recognisable baseline, like up there with um, Billie Jean and um, mm. what are some other classics? Uh, another one bites dust, I reckon. Like you, you just hear that baseline, you know exactly what it is. Um, yeah. I reckon it's it's a great song. Uh, it's got everything. Um, I was going to say it does have everything. It's got a real walking baseline. Like it's up, it's down. Yeah. It's, it's got a real jazz. Sort of element. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, and yeah, it does. It is really different from like their fans prior to this would have gone nut. I reckon nut. 
like this, yeah. this isn't the post-punk sort of stuff that we're listening to. Uh, it's even got a bit of scatting on there. Like a little yeah. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what's going still, on? It still looks punk, though. If you watch the film clip, you know, the way yeah. they're dressed, they're still, mm. you know, they're still kind of giving it a, a real punk feel but a real alternate feel as well. It's not a, it's not like a pop-looking film clip. He's got his marionette dancing going on in that film clip as well where it looks like he's... It almost looks like his arms are too big for his body, but I think it might be the roof being so low down and he looks so big, but he's, yeah. He doesn't know what he's, what to do with his hands, I reckon, a lot of the, a lot of the time. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, you said that before. He needs a tambourine or something to get yeah. it. <laughs> um, random question. Is he a tall man? I'm just going to find that out. I want to get sure. Oh, one metre 78. Oh, that's pretty standard. That, that's about, yeah, six, almost six foot. Yeah, 5'11". Yeah. Oh, short. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Kraken song. Um, yeah, real party song. Like, and timeless, I think. Timeless, that song. And uh, whack it on whenever you like. All right. Well, that was number two. Bit of a drum roll. We've come to the... Is it? Would there be any doubt? You reckon everyone would know what number one is? I must admit I was shocked when you announced um, I didn't expect this, I must say. Mm. Mm. Um, all right, well, I'll announce it before we get into the combo. Um, it's from the album The Head on the Door, and the song is called... Close to Me. And Nikki, you're going to take us through this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm quite surprised. I um. I mean, I had it at number two, but I didn't think it would make number one. But more than happy that it has. Um, oh, it's a yeah. I, as we keep saying for these last few, it's a really great song. Um, I thought his voice through this is really simple and really pretty. Um, very 80s. Listening to it, it's got a bit of everything. And and just hearing you say about the jazz um, elements in Love Cats, um, you know, this has got everything, horns, bass, um, keyboards, guitars, like it's all, you know, the whole lot contributing. Um, the claps, I like the claps. I always like um, crowd participation in a song. Um, I think anything that there's a double clap and, and you're on the dance floor and that's the one thing people remember, like it's coming up and know to do that sort of stuff. Um, his breath as well, using his breath as sort of, um, you know, it's another layer onto already a lot happening. But having said that, it doesn't sound too busy either. I think it all works in really well. Mm -hmm. um, um, the, the video clip is, um, it kind of matches what I read about this song. Um, Robert Smith had said that this song's lyrics um, are meant to... Where you get stuck, on a, a, when you get stuck in small spaces. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, and a sense of impending yeah. doom, claustrophobia, and a sense of doom that something something is going to happen. Um, and I think the video clip of them being, you don't realise at the beginning, but they're all in this wardrobe and then the um, um, wardrobe falls off the cliff. So it, it's, yeah, it's, <gasps> he got it's his not looking good. <laughs> He did, yeah. Up the cliff moment. <laughs> yeah, and um, even reading about um, 
that, they were saying, um, he asked about it and he said it was the most uncomfortable 12 hours he'd ever spent doing the video clip in the actual wardrobe. Um, and that when they did the dropping of the wardrobe, it was into this huge tank filled with water. So it was quite um, involved, like, you know, and probably at that time, you know, now if you could say to someone, I want to be in a wardrobe falling off a cliff and they'd just go on the computer and make it happen, but they were physically like trying to recreate this. So he didn't enjoy that. Um, I don't know whose idea it was, but um, wasn't something he enjoyed. He said, all I could think, all I could think about while doing it was dying a slow, painful death. <laughs> there is a theme with their, with their music. So, um, yeah. Um, you pretty much covered everything. I was just, I had, I wrote down clapping, you know, I love a good clap song. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I love the simplest, I reckon this is their simplest song. Like that. I know it gets busy at the, at the, in the second act, but, um, the start of it is, uh, it's a really simple song. It's just, yeah. it's really cool. And like we've said with other songs on other podcasts, you know, we just keep it simple, stupid. Uh, mm. They're the best ones. Um, and I think that's proven right because it's landed again at number one. Yeah, I, I really feel the claustrophobia and uh, that um, pent-up anticipation for something. Or, yeah. Or when you're about to go out on a big night and you <laughs> hold it in. Yeah, really. Um, it really. They call that anxiety, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in your 20s, it's anticipation. In your 40s, it's anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, really, they really encapsulate that feeling really well, I reckon. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a cracking tune. I had it at number two as well. It's funny. No one had this song at number one, but everybody had it really high. So, yeah, right. So that is how it got there. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, what do you think of Close Bravo. Well, I had it at number four, um, but only because I could only have one number at one number. I love, <laughs> I love everything about the song being a pop song you know I like a short intro and go straight into <laughs> his, his voice doesn't have like it you know we talk about how vulnerable his voice sounds in some of the sadder tracks and you don't get that with this track you feel I feel like his his voice is just his voice it's just him singing without having a place to go to to bring that voice out, if you know what I mean. I think this mm. song is just, yeah, it's simple. You can hear everything he's saying, um, you know, a bit, bit <laughs> at times, which is probably really around the time that that kind of heavy breathing was, you know, um, <laughs> part of the song. Linking and, back uh, to the adult movies we spoke about earlier, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The kinder gets the kids to write, you know, what mum and dad, like what mum's favourite <laughs> food is. And they said, what's mum's favourite TV show? And um, I think Will it was wrote, mum likes adult movies. <laughs> like, the teacher just looked at me and she's like, no judgement. And I said, no, no, I just say to him that I'm watching an adult movie, like, an, you know, a, an, 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 not for an, children. MA plus movie that is <laughs> for children. All of a sudden, people are thinking I'm watching like, yeah, heavy breathing <laughs> TV shows. Um, but yeah, I think this song's really fun and 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 not really like a lot of the other songs where you could pigeonhole it into you know a sad song or whatever. I think this is a really good pop song, and I yeah completely agree with it coming in at number one. Yeah, yeah. 
happy with that. It's been a good top ten actually because when you really look at look at um, the cure, they they have they 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 actually have a lot of songs. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people would realise if they weren't Cure fans just how many albums they've released and where they've come from and where they you know where they kind of ended up. So yeah, it it was a good band to do. It just took a lot to get there because there was a lot of content but not a lot of information, mm. I guess. You know. Yeah, agreed. I think too. I don't. I don't know what it means, but we were all very on the same page with the songs we picked. Like that is probably one of definitely the shortest honourable mention lists we've had. So yeah. I don't know if that means that they had a specific time and place, or if they're just. Or it just might simply mean they're cracking songs and they're cracking songs, and everybody knows what they are. Like yeah, maybe. Simple as that. Um, well, yeah. Like I said before, when I was playing them to my husband and saying, "Oh, this is my top ten and I just played a little bit of each one, he was like, "Wow, you're picking some really big songs here, you know." So I think everyone just know, like everyone knows the Cure, yeah. But you know, do they really know? The <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I will agree more. I will after this podcast. <laughs> um, I'll do a recap, guys. We had uh, at number ten, wrong number. Number nine, Love Song. Number eight, Lullaby. Number seven, Just Like Heaven. Number six, In Between Days. Number five was Pictures of You. Number four, Boys Don't Cry. Number three, Friday, I'm In Love. Number two was Love Cats. And number one was, of course, Close to Me. So, well, I think, I think we sound like we're all pretty happy. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't happen very often, does it? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's usually at least one who's got their nose out of joint and that's to <laughs> sit there and go, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> if Danny was here, I'm sure he would just be unhappy about something just, just so that we yeah, keep the tradition going. Keep it going, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really really enjoyed uh, the build-up to this week too, playing those. I love hearing old songs. Not even the ones that weren't in the top ten that you just haven't heard for so long or mm. at all. So it's nice to do a band like that where we're not get to um, do a bit of research and discover and mm. adventure. You know, yeah. I love a good red lipstick. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love a good red lipstick. Yeah, Ruby Woo. And, and now we know the colour. We can. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just looking at yeah pictures of Robert Smith now. Um, it looks like it might be his real hair, but I'm... Definitely, yeah. definitely out of rinse. Yeah, there's definitely um, a bit of um, L'Oreal. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what number he's on. It's Napro Live <laughs> colour. It's almost yeah. old, old lady purple. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite dark, but I did read too back on the makeup with him. He does his own makeup because he doesn't like anyone touching his face. Oh. So, again, that links into his um, um, quirky... Oddness, I suppose. You'd think that you could just sit back and go, someone do this for me, but he does it all himself. So it takes a lot of work to look like he does. <laughs> I wonder if he shops for his own lippy too. Imagine seeing yeah, it a- to Mac and trying different lipsticks. In London and going, no, this one looks like blood the most. I'll, I'll stick with this with this one. Amazing. Yeah. Smarty. Yes, Jamie. 
Where can you hear our podcast? Oh, uh, you can hear our podcast on Spotify, if that is correct, and That's you can put great. in It's the Vinyl Countdown, I believe. Apple po- Apple Podcasts as well, we're on there. And oh, yeah. if you don't have any of those, we always put the link up on our page. So, you, And that would be our Facebook page or our Instagram page there as well. Guys, we are letting you choose one of our bands next year, but you must vote for the band you love the most. Amanda, who's the band you love the most, as you told us before you love that question? Um, oh, my God, I love so many bands. <laughs> um one that I think would be awesome if you could review, and it's not my favourite band, but I think it would be well worth it, but the Chili Peppers. Yes, that's what I was hoping you'd say. Because everyone loves a chili, like, you know, everyone loves a red hot chili pepper. Got to be done. Everyone loves Point Break. Just that's how easy it is. One vote to the Chili Peppers. Yes. Get on our page and tell us who you want us to do, and that is who we will do. Um, Our next podcast that we are doing is the finale. <gasps> last one for the year or for, well, not for this year, but last one of this season. Season, yeah. So it is going to be massive because we're not doing 10 songs. We're doing 20 songs. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how big this band is. We could not, no way, squeeze it into 10. So, um, so it's like the final countdown. It is, it is. <laughs> the final vinyl countdown. Not to give too much away, but we might need a little help with that one. So. Oh, got it. <laughs> yeah. um, did you have any clues for that one, Smarty? <laughs> oh, I think I did yesterday, but I can't think of any right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are they spicy? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Very good, Amanda. Very good. You're, you're too uh, cryptic for us. You should be writing the quizzes. <laughs> hey, oh, shout outs um, to the former members of the Letters of the Tuscaderos, um, <laughs> Brown Mark, the radio head truck drivers. Any shout-outs from you guys? Anyone that you'd like to say hello to? I'll always say hello to Popeye Parton. Popeye. Um, that comes from Rosie, dog, so um, to Popeye. Thanks for keeping Dolly going. <laughs> Amanda, any got a shout-out? Um, just, like, to all my friends, they better listen. <laughs> <laughs> when I send them the link, they better listen. Very good. Hey, IBC member number 10 is Lauren Darcy. G'day, Lauren. Uh, Hello. Thanks for listening. Um, that brings us to the close. So many thanks for jumping on board from the old firm. Big thank you to Amanda for coming on. You thank you for having call. me. Um, you've done really, really well. I hope, you had, hope you've had fun. Well, I won the quiz, so what more could you ask? Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Against tough competition too, yeah. I must um, add. You're a season campaigner, Nikki. I was a bit worried. It was touch and go there. You're just lucky Danny wasn't here or you probably would have won by a lot more. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, I know you love this part of the show, so there's only one thing left to do. <laughs> a one, two, three, four. <laughs>